plate, I'ma swing for the fence Throw me the lob, I'ma dunk it like Vince They think I'm from sack with the way that I'm ballin' I feel like a king, but I'm fresher than Prince Baltimore raised and fly like a raven Made it through mazes, that shit amazing Vision so clear, they thought I got lacing Cradle to grave, we poundin' that pavement Made up my mind, told them pass me the rock with the game on the line I'm taking a shot, shit all of my life had to play from behind And now they just watch, like is he gon' stop? I tell them I can't They think it's a game, they take me for joke, I just laugh to the bank Hey everybody, welcome back to the WWB Sports Podcast. Today I got back on my co-host, Mr. Eloquan. And uh, we got quite the bit. What's up, bro? We got quite the bit to go over. Um, quite a lot to go over. We're going to talk, just to set the table for the episode, we're going to talk Ravens and Seahawks football. Two birds. Uh, on the same destination in pro football glory. Uh, we're going to talk about Simone Biles' love story and supporting her, Kenny Omega's injury and AEW movements in the um, the back room office, CM Punk and Seth Rollins' second uh, or, or first promo together in the ring, uh, Seth really getting off, uh, picking winners for AEW's tournament, and we're going to maybe do some fantasy booking for AEW television as well. To start... Uh, Mr. Eloquent, I want you to, to, to grab this. Seahawks get a big victory. Um, they, they're basically uh, fighting for the uh, – uh, are aren't are they a sixth seed right now? So right now, um, so we're eight and seven. Um, so we got the same record as the Rams, um, but they've beaten us twice, so they got the tiebreaker. But we're, we're posted up in the seventh seed right now. So – uh, at this point, we control our our destiny, oh, so you, to speak. You everything. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, so, uh, as long as long as we win out, um, we're good. I mean, if we drop a game, we can still make it. But you know, we but then we would need other people to to fuck up. And who's the last two you games know, you guys had? <laughs> <laughs> we got we got Pittsburgh, and you know so. Th- they're a weird team, because um, in theory, we should have no problems beating them, but it is still a Mike Tomlin team, and, you know, and we're, admittedly, we've been inconsistent this year, so it's definitely not a game that I'm I'm looking past, and then we close out against Arizona, so. So, so definitely two winnable games. Winnable, for sure, um, and then we should, I mean, I'll be... I'll be especially disappointed if we drop if we drop either of those games, but you know, any given Sunday. So, what were your keys to winning the last game? And and for people who aren't listening, who did the Seahawks play last? So we uh, so we stole one against the Eagles with uh, with our backups Drew Locke starting. Oh, that was so, a, that was a touchdown pass to the corner with like maybe t- uh, less than what like f- like twenty four seconds something like that. who uh, it was uh, yeah. who did he throw it to uh, Smith and Jigba right yeah Smith and Jigba and uh, yeah I mean man coverage um, like thirty yards out and yeah Smith and Jigba ran a great route and Drew put it right on the money 
and then um so i mean that was kind of our season um you know because if we lose that game i don't know if we have enough to overtake minnesota or or green bay or i mean there's like there's also just beat the titans too as well gino was back and we yeah, Gino's back. And he looked, looked a little early on, but second half he was, he was cooking. I mean, for some reason, Seahawks, it doesn't matter if we're against a superior team or a team that we're way better than or whatever the situation is. We can't just decisively beat teams. We have to, like, steal it at the very, very end. And we have to, you know, put fans like me um, – and, uh, you know, like raising our blood pressure and, and so forth. Like, I feel like that's a game we, that never should have been as close as it was. But, I mean, the Titans, despite their record, I mean, they're actually a, a pretty decent team at home. Um, but it was great to see the, uh, the pass rush come alive. They've been a little um, inconsistent. And, uh, yeah, just, Gino was just dealing that second half. So... Yeah, you know, I mean, lost four, lost four in a row to win two, to hopefully close out the se- the season with uh, with four straight. Um, so I, I guess we'll see, but um, you know, I mean, we're not. Uh, we've got some issues to iron out. I mean, we're not uh, we're not on, on the Ravens level yet, but uh, who knows? We'll, we'll we'll see if we can make it all the way to the end of the dance. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm going to take some time as a the resident Ravens fan here. So, also, Geno Smith, a great comeback story in terms of career, first-round draft pick, New York Jets, many different stops along the way. But Geno definitely didn't live up to his first-round billing until recently. We always saw some talent there, but never really had it fully realized, whether it's coaching, culture, or whatever. But uh, last year, what a great uh, career turnaround. Geno Smith, just to give you guys some stats for Mr. Geno Smith. Uh, Geno Smith last year, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 4,228 yards, QB, um, QBR rating of 100.9. So a career year for Geno. Up until that point, the best year he ever had before that was his uh, 2014 New York Jets season, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 2,525 yards. So no doubt Geno Smith having a career uh, turnaround um, as well last year and is happy to see a brother getting a job, an opportunity. We know being a black quarterback, you get maybe two or three years and you ain't good. You'll be a lifetime backup. Um, and we see that with Tyrod Taylor, well, who actually has a lot of talent as well. Well, um, yeah, man. And it's, uh, I mean, I was one of the guys who wasn't really a believer. Um, you know, when, when, you know, we got Russ, Russell Wilson about out of here and, you know, I think among the fan base, we all just kind of assumed, okay, so we're definitely drafting a quarterback and who knows, maybe Locke or, or Gino will start while, you know, while the, whoever we draft um, sits and learns because, I mean, we never, uh, we're used to drafting around the 20th spot, but we're always good enough to make the playoffs, but not quite good enough to, to go all the way, but never bad enough to, to get a top, top pick. And to my surprise, they were like, no, no, no Gino's our guy. We're, we're going with him. And, you know, I, I, I fell in love with the story, man. You know, the, you know, they wrote me off, but I, I ain't right back. And, you know, I think we can all sort of just 
relate to, you know, having an opportunity or doing something that doesn't pan out the way that you want, maybe early on. And, you know, you kind of just persevere and just bide your time and just wait for that opportunity. And when you got another chance, um, you know, you took full advantage of it. So, you know, and like last year wasn't, like it wasn't a fluke. I mean, he was really chilling out there. And yeah. I mean, he, he won comeback player of the year. Um, he, he even made the Pro Bowl. I mean, I'm so, I was so, so happy for him. He, he deserves it. Story's great. And, and he legitimately is a good quarterback. I mean, I know that um, a lot of people in the fan base are kind of campaigning for, for Seattle to, to replace him or, or draft somebody new. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but no, man, I, I, I believe in him. And, and he, he just has that, he has that football character. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just inspirational for real. Yeah. Well, here's my little uh, sponge here for about the Ravens. Uh, Mike Florio, the West Virginia a native himself, hate to talk smack about West Virginia, uh, had something to say about the Ravens. He said, basically, the 49ers were going to kick the shit out of the Ravens. He also went on to say that it was a race for second place. Now, historically, as a Baltimorean and a Ravens fan, we are always disrespected. We're a smaller market team. We're not Washington, D.C., where the president lives. We're not Philadelphia, where, you know, you got Kevin Hart in the 76ers and all those big things and, and as cool as Philly. We are Baltimore, Maryland, a blue-collar town that's known for crabs and, oh, yeah, being 2-0 and in the Super Bowl and a couple World Series as well. So, But generally, nationally, um, you know, up until recently, the Orioles have been recently good, but but historically, we just uh, we got a chip on our shoulder. We're a smaller city who gets disrespected all the time, not just in concerts, but also in sports. And we're always underdogs, no matter what, even if we're great. The Ravens are having a historically great season, a great defense, great quarterback, Lamar Jackson, finally getting paid, a great head coach, one of the top five coaches in the last 20 years, in my personal opinion. Um, and so... 49ers, no doubt, winning. I think they have won five Super Bowls, or, or if not more. Um, and, oh, by the way, they've lost the Super Bowl to us <laughs> in the last decade or so. So, but anyway, <laughs> 49ers fan base is totally different. Won a lot of championships. San Francisco is the Tech Valley. Everyone loves San Francisco in terms of, for the money, the tech industry. Uh, you got the Golden State Warriors. Not I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, let me, let, me, let me cook real quick. Let me cook. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone loves San Francisco versus Baltimore in terms of just the panache of the cities, right? And so finally, the Ravens consistently winning, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, getting an opportunity on national television, and we're so disrespected. I think we were like six-point underdogs. And Lamar Jackson, uh, who many people believe was a running back, again, underdog. They don't like him because he looks a certain way. He talks a certain way. He walks a certain way. But he's done nothing off the field to warrant any of the weird uh, hate that he gets. And so, as the Ravens fans that we are, we had a chip up our ass. We, we had a whole Frito-Lay chips on our shoulders, okay? And so, heading into the game, um, we were like, we have to prove a point. The defense has been great. The offense has been shaky at times and is getting better, especially with a newer offensive coordinator, right? So, 
heading into the game on on uh, we know that Lamar Jackson up until that point was under was nineteen and one against NFC teams now twenty and one so we had a lot to prove but it was a it was a way game so the stage was set for either a huge upset or a huge uh, let down and we did not get let down we whooped ass we took um, our uh, crabs. And uh, shoved it down their throats and um, just showed them what true physical football was. I think Rokon, Rokon Smith and Kyle Hamilton and uh, uh, my boy Marlon Humphrey uh, set the table. They, they, we had something to prove and we proved it. So for all these national media guys like Mike Florio, who's from West Virginia, hate to say it again, uh, <laughs> who said they're going to whoop our ass. Now he can eat his crow, literally, because we're, Ra- we're the Ravens. And hopefully uh, he, it'll teach the national media to put some respect on Lamar Jackson's name. And, yeah, Mike Florist, in the words of, of, of uh, Lamar Jackson, please shut your damn mouth and don't ever disrespect uh, the Baltimore Ravens ever again. And I think we're going to whoop to his ass as well. I think we're going to knock off uh, one of the uh, – the it was a constant or vowels, AIU, whatever it is. He's going to be called TA when it's done. And I think um, we're going to expose him as a fraud, just like Brock Purdy. And I think the Ravens will probably win by, I give us winning by seven. Uh, so I got the Ravens winning by seven against the uh, Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> sorry. The other Florida team, the Miami Dolphins. I think we're going to win and prove them wrong again. So just wanted to get that off my chest and set the table on why the disrespect burns so much eloquent you have any words here well yeah well also another thing to consider um a couple things um let's not uh, and what we spoke earlier to earlier today briefly about um you know florio how i mean not just the game but i mean he he got on lamar for representing himself during contract negotiations and and you know, in the end, he—I mean—he got what he wanted. But you know, the, uh, the media tried to paint him as as basically an idiot for trying to represent himself. Um, it's like, no, like, don't you know? Don't let the accent or how he talks or how he carries himself fool you. I mean, he's a—he's a smart guy, and uh, and he's really talented at what he does. But beyond that, the there are a bunch of teams and owners that uh, basically committed to collusion um, when he was um, going through free agency. Like all these teams weirdly came out and said, "Oh no, we uh, you know we have no interest in, in signing Lamar." Um, and if you've if you've been sort of paying attention to the league and seeing the the frankly, frankly, awful quarterback play um, around the league. It's it's madness how many how many teams had an opportunity to to to, to take them when they did, and and they didn't for 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 whatever reason, and and are running their their third string backups right now, and it's like you know, like this is why y'all are in the position that y'all are in. So, you know, I, I hope it was worth it. But, um, yeah. but I mean, as far as the game itself, the um, like I personally thought that San Fran was going to win the game. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, most mostly because they're uh, they're um, at home. So I figured it was going to be like a, a twenty eight to twenty four type of game, which really kind of like comes down to to the end. Um, but it it wasn't even so much that uh, that Baltimore won. It was it was how they won. Mm-hmm. Like they won by fourteen, but if you watch that whole game, they uh, like the Niners put up a a late garbage time touchdown, but they didn't really do justice to how one sided that game was. I mean, after the first quarter, it never it never felt close, yeah. and uh, and you know it's like I think I think Brock Purdy has been has been genuinely great all year, but there's been questions about, well, how good are you when you don't have a 20 point lead mm-hmm. um, where you, you don't, where you can't just hand the ball off to, to McCaffrey and let him just, just eat and kill uh, time off at the clock. Um, so those questions are kind of answered. Um, so this was, this was one of those classic, like the bully gets bullied sort of games. Yeah. Like I just, you know, like it was beautiful for me to see because I mean, I'm a Seahawks guy. So <laughs> it's after NFC West. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was delighted to see it, but, but at the same time, just like, I would say that San Fran has been just in terms of consistency. They've been the most consistent team all year and everyone that they've beaten, they've, for the most part, is beaten soundly. So I understand why uh, they were favored to 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 win over the uh, over the Ravens. But and I want to keep this a buck. Let's keep it a buck. The the AFC yep. is better than the NFC in terms of just the competitive level. The NF the AFC consistently, in my personal opinion, has the harder. It's a harder way to get you. Got you. Got to go through Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Wherever Patrick Mahomes is, that's going to be a problem. The AFC is extremely difficult to get out. Hell, hell, the Cleveland Browns are damn near about to be about to make the playoffs with 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 with, uh, Joe Flacco, and they're damn got ten wins. So you got Tua. You got. I mean, it's a hard division. Flacco's been cooking, man. I I, that was another another thing I didn't see coming. But no, I agree. It's um. They've definitely had the uh, the stronger conference to go through, but you know, but there's still some, you know, there's still some heavyweights in um, in the NFC. But you know, it's either either way, it's you know, you you can only play who's on your schedule, yeah. right? But but I think you know, I think the the Ravens, they you know they they lost a head scratcher to. Pittsburgh that one time, which especially in hindsight now is like, yo, how the hell did you lose that game? Mm-hmm. You're way better than them. Yeah. Um, you know, they've had a couple a couple sort of dumbfounding losses where you kind of forget that, oh, wait a minute. Uh my squad, Seattle came to town and y'all just dog walked us for four quarters. And then and it- Detroit came to town mm-hmm. and y'all dog walked them for four quarters. And someone else who was allegedly like pretty good, who I'm forgetting. Jacksonville. Town, you know, we'll, we'll be Jacksonville yeah. in Jacksonville. Yeah, and then another thing too. This is the thing about the Ravens. Not only have we lost our two starting running backs, our starting tight end, Pro Bowl by the way, our so Pro Bowl tight end is gone. Two starting running backs is gone. We've had situations where 
Um, we've had, uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton hurt. We've had our best safety. We paid damn near $80 million hurt. Geno Stones steps up and, and leads the league for a period of time in interceptions. A lot of injuries. Marlon Humphrey out, pro ball cornerback for multiple games. A lot of, of uh, things going on. So we've had to fight through it. And with all of that, still the best record in the NFL. Let's not stay there, though. Yeah, yeah. He's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not going to stay there. We're going to hop off the NFL talk. We're going to move down the line because me, me and you could talk NFL all day. Here, I'm going to talk about the, the uh, a lot of social – I don't like to get into, like, relationship stuff on a, on a pro wrestling podcast. But I do want to defend Simone Biles and her husband, Mr. Jonathan Owens. And, yep. she, and she has his last name, by the way, folks. So so a couple things I want to set the table with, okay? I did. There are yep. so many angles that you can approach this by, Okay. But as a person who likes the pivot and listens to most of their stuff and likes what they're doing over there and who has a deep appreciation and, a, and love for Simone Biles and wants to see the best for her, almost like a big brother, um, would see his younger sister. I'm going to say this. Leave Simone Biles name out your mouth. Leave Simone Biles out your flipping mouth. <laughs> this is why. A couple of reasons. Okay. Walk with me real quick. Okay. I'm going a little tirade. Simone Biles is a young woman who had didn't have the easiest childhood. She was adopted. Simone Biles is uh, has went through a lot of stuff in the last couple of years with mental health. She had the twisties, which is a very dangerous uh, thing to happen for a gymnast. She has been she is one of the most decorated gymnasts um, in the history of American uh, Olympic sports. Period. She is considered by many the goat. She has never done anything that's controversial. She's never in the news. She has done nothing but represent this country with class and respect and dignity. She has, she is. Also, a, just, just as a quick, uh, a quick add in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was, uh, she was like sexually assaulted too, as part of that whole, like Larry Nasser wow. thing. When she was I did not know yeah. that. Holy hell. So she's also, yeah. been, you know, she's, she's also been through. Yeah. She's been, quite, uh, thank you for telling me that she's also been through that. This young woman has had to overcome many things that would make many of us fumble. She was castigated. She was disrespected. She was hated by many for no reason when for her own mental health, which literally as an Olympic level athlete and you're playing and you're doing a sport where most young women don't even get to, uh, you know, gymnast being a gymnast is a very short, short time period to be elite. Most of them don't last and produce at the level that she has done. And she's done it nothing with class and represented our country with all the respect in the world. Okay, so let's just start. Let's set the table there first, okay? Number two, Jonathan Owens is a nice young man. He has, so far, from what we've seen, the young man has not done anything crazy in social media. There is no scandals like a Zion Wilson or any sort of crazy, sultry stuff. He seems to be a mild-mannered, soft-spoken person, very similar to Lamar Jackson. A lot of people will say, maybe he kind of talks a little bit like a jock. He may not seem to be a Cornell West, so to speak, <laughs> like type of communicator. You know what I mean? But the guy had an opportunity to go on a podcast and to talk about his own personal lived experience was he the most um uh was he the most uh, 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 uh engaging person no but it's his first time on a major platform is he really known by many people outside of him being married to simone biles no but the young man was invited onto the podcast to tell his story she was there to support him as they have done in everything that these two have done rather that's social media and other things 
couple things for people who did not watch the podcast that he did say about her. Uh, first of all, Jonathan Owens was an undrafted player. Okay, so he had to work his way up to really get to the level that he's at now. And even at this point, as a full time starter, he has a lot to prove in the not for long league. Okay, he spoke glowingly about his wife, Simone Biles, about when she said that he was a little slow or he was kind of doubting himself and he was trying to work him way his working his way out of an undrafted player to a spot starter to a full-time starter now at this point she gave him advice she spoke life into this man she encouraged this man she rides for this man and he spoke glowingly about this okay i mean he spoke glowingly about her now what people take is a small a portion of where he said he was the prize or whatever we're not getting into that part of it i'm not going to even address that she looks at him as as he's a prize (laughs) she looks at him like he is a prize and he looks at her like she is the prize I'm going to give the pivot a little bit of uh, pushback here. They did. They brought up the relationship. They framed words, not in the most professional manner. Keep in mind, these gentlemen are all athletes who are working and learning how to be top level journalists. And by and by, these gentlemen have done a good job. Okay. But. There were some phrasing and some things that they kind of led him down the lane. Again, he, from my experience, I haven't seen him on a lot of major platforms. He's not classically media trained. And so he may have not responded in the perfect way to some of the questions, which to me, some of the stuff could have been asked a little bit better, a little bit more professionally. And that's something that they can look at for themselves. But never did he diminish her. Never did he disrespect her or low rate her. Did he answer it in the way that people, some people wanted him to answer it? No. But did he in any way, shape, or form take away from her? No. And when Simone Biles was going, was dealing with the twisties, when people were talking crap about her, not competing at a high level, when she was dealing with some deep, deep mental health issues and physical injury with her knee that she's been in her ankle that she's been dealing with for I mean, just plaguing her. And at this age as a gymnast, which is very dangerous to do, where you can literally like totally hurt yourself. He sat by and supported her when half the country was disrespecting her and hating her for taking care of her mental health. It sparked a whole conversation about athletes and mental health. He was there on her side and supporting her. So how dare you folks talk smack about her or her husband? You don't. And I'm going to tell you one thing and I'm going to hand it over to you and get your perspective. These people that are talking smack about Jonathan Owens and Simone Biles, you really don't like Simone, Simone Biles. You really don't support her. You don't really don't care about her because if you did, you would treat her husband with the dignity, decorum and love and kindness and grace and grace that she has. And in the same way, you would try to see two young black people in a relationship with all the hate and vitriol that we see with relationships, with dating and all the stuff that we see in the in the world with negative mentality that people have about relationships and love two young mid to late 20 black people getting together who come from very tough circumstances, whether that's mental health, physically, etc., who are trying to love each other in a world that has got so much going on. Well, instead of yep. uplifting and encouraging and trying to elevate them, you bring her down. You talk trash about him and his motives. You talk trash about her. When she got married, people talked about her hair and all these things. If you are really a Simone Biles fan, you would look at her Twitter post where she said, are you done yet? You would uplift her, encourage her, and hope that she wins another gold medal at the Olympics and try to support her and and have grace 
for this young couple that's learning as they go instead of tearing them down and trying to assume or assassinate either one of their characters. They're both are young people that are trying to figure this thing out. The best you can do is to support, encourage, and to empower them to and lift them up to hopefully that they can have a long, loving, kind relationship. And from what I see and what she's gone through and what he's gone through, it looks like they're both supporting each other. Eloquent, what are your thoughts on this, sir? No, that was beautifully said. Um, definitely co-sign and echo at all. I think that, um, you know, whenever these sort of situations come up and like, let's be real, you know, if it's not them, it'll be someone else. Yeah. And, you know, it feels like every, every few weeks or every month or something like that. Um, and it's like, I think that people... You know, I, I think there, there's a lot of, like, projection, um, you know, where people are just not really happy with themselves or maybe the relationships they have. And so, you know, they they don't want to see or believe that, that two, like, very successful or accomplished people in their, in their own field, um, you know, got together and are genuinely happy and up, uplift each other, you know, so, <coughs> um, so dude saying that, Oh, you know, Don said I didn't, I didn't know who she was at, at the beginning and people ran with that. Like, like this was a crime. Like I'm reading, I'm reading people like on like the shade room and, and shit be like, Oh, no, this, this is a red flag. Uh, she should leave him or she's too good for him or, or yada yada yada, and it's just like, like that—that's what you took away from from that whole interview. And and mind you, it's it, it's partly a media thing too, where like you said, you know, they clipped uh, forty-five seconds of what was I'm guessing what a thirty-minute conversation or however long Damn it was. Damn an hour, yeah, and, um, yeah, and and they you know they found the one thing that they deemed juicy and and problematic and they've just, then they've just run with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I, I can't be bothered with, with any of that shit. Me neither. It's like, I just want to support you know, her. If just support, no, if you really like Simone Biles and she has his last name, by the way. So she even said that Simone Biles. So Simone Owens, you know, is her last name at this point. If you really do like her, and you do want the best for her, support the sister, support her, encourage her. Yeah. She's happy. Be a positive. She has done nothing in the world to, to deserve this type of hate or vitriol to her and her husband. And these people need to get a life, bro. Just if you really are a fan of her, just support the sister. And if, and if, and if something happens in the future, who knows what happen, what will happen. I just wish I truly hope that they're married forever. And I hope that they have great kids and their kids become great Olympic athletes or whatever. And they just have a great love story. I truly do. Yeah. But I think, but I think that's, uh, that since you brought that up, I think that's, kind of a sad commentary on this society where, you know, folks are just so, um, you know, are just sort of, uh, what I'm looking for. Yeah. They're they're so jaded and they're just so naturally expect, um, you know, the worst possible outcome of in, in any situation. So it's like, you know, like, I mean, what is it? The, the divorce rate in in America is what sixty percent or something like that it's, now. It's pretty high, yeah. Um, or 
Yeah. So is it possible they don't mask? Sure. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that we should be wishing for it or hoping for it. I mean, exactly, you know, bro. we, I, I think just, you know, um, and I, and I like that, um, we can have these discussions on, on, on this type of pod. I mean, I know we kind of primarily dabble in, um, in pro wrestling and, and sports and so forth, but, you know, kind of just the state of like podcasting today where, um, you know, so much of it is just focused on, on like just the negativity and sort of just bringing, bringing people down. And, and man, I just find that just such a, a, de- a depressing mind state to just constantly be in. Yeah. Like when I wake up, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to like watch the news or turn to something and I see, Oh, cool. There's a picture of, uh, Simone Biles and her husband. And, you know, my first, and my first thought is, Oh, the, I don't like that guy or there's a, there, there's something wrong with this picture and, mm-hmm. and I hope she moves on or I expect them to, to split. Like, like that's not a thought that ever crosses my mind. Yeah. You know, like if it happens, you know, cross that bridge once you get to it. But you know, like I, I've always, I've always been an optimistic person and I always give everyone the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. And, um, and you know, I hate that people always just jump to that, that negative conclusion and, and let's be real it's like we don't we don't know these people yeah we don't you know <laughs> we uh, don't. So, so you know how how some people can make character judgments on 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 people um that they've never met never spoken to never interacted with you don't even know anyone who knows them personally yeah um yeah like that whole thing of, um, you know, I don't know if it was her or it was um, that one tennis player who I think is married or hooked up with Corday. Oh, yeah, no, um, Naomi Asuka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Osaka, yeah, that, that's who it was. No, Naomi Osaka. And I remember, yeah, she, really, she, she pulled out of, uh, I don't know if it was Wimbledon or the U.S. Open or some big tournament, and she cited just mental health as, as the reason, and everyone just went off on her at all. You weak. Uh, I can't believe you did that. And it's like, like, motherfucker, she's the one who has to actually go out there and play. Like you're sitting on your couch. Exactly. You know, just like watching with the rest of us. Yeah. But like, that's something in the perspective, you know, you're not, you're not her. You don't have her life. You don't, you know, only a select few will ever be in that position where you can relate um, one way or the other. So exactly. it's like, and I have family members with mental health situations, you know, and I've seen it in up front and personal and I see what that mental health does, you know? Uh, and so for me, uh, it's very personal because these, she's, she's just such a sweetheart. I wish as a black man and I, and I love the sisters. I really do. Um, I hope I could find me someone like a Simone Biles, who's a good, kind woman who cheers for me just as much as I would cheer for her and support her. Simone Biles is like the Myra, like, you know how Steve, like Steve Urkel, like Myra, she's like supporting you and likes you and cares about you. Like most men would pray, would, would give their left, 
uh, you know, uh, the <laughs> left, you know, a bundle of joy. <laughs> the left jewel right. for her to have a woman who even resembles that type of support of the Simone Biles. And so as a black man, I love Simone Biles. I support her. I can't wait to watch Paris 2024. I hope she makes it. I hope she gets a, wins a medal at this late part of her career. I know this will be her last one, she said, or, or she, she's not even sure if she'll really compete, but I truly hope that she just kills it and, and her story continues to get better. And I hope that they have a beautiful family and just do very well. I just wish the best. And uh, so we will not. So just to kind of close it here, me and Eloquent, we will not allow Simone Biles and Jonathan Owens slander on this podcast. Cut it out, people. Touch yeah. grass. Let's move over, on. Over dead bodies, yo. Like, For real. Uh, I'm, I'm about to get a Simone Biles t-shirt. Oh <laughs> Let's get it. But yeah, man. Y'all trying to talk some shit. You know, you, you have to pull up on both of us, man. Straight man, up. I'm, I'm not with. We're part of the Simone Biles and Jonathan Owens defense crew. We will, um, if they need us to hire us, we 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 happy to. You're a little bit taller and bigger than me. Like you're you, I'm definitely built like a uh, like a uh, oversized middle schooler. Uh, but uh, but uh, you you definitely are fully man height at six plus. So um, six foot plus. Uh, you know, I'm 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 not Kevin Hart short, but I'm uh, you know, I'm more I'm more like a slot wide receiver. So. I mean, hell, I'm I'm probably like. I'd probably like be a left tackle in the NFL. Um, I'm big enough, just minus all of like the athleticism and all that. But <laughs> you know, I mean, I I, I can be intimidating for you too. Definitely. All right, so let's hop over to some more things. Uh, Kenny Omega, diverticulitis. Uh, and some AEW movements, a lot of the original crew have left. Some of the production staff, different things. Let's first of all get into wishing Kenny a speedy recovery. We know that a diverticulitis we've heard with Brock Lesnar, something with to do with the uh, the uh, the uh, stomach uh, muscle. What is it? The um, the uh, the yeah, intestines, intestines inflammation. Yeah, it's serious, very painful. We, we you could die from that situation. So we wish Kenny speedy recovery. Y two J or Chris Jericho gave a nice speech about that on 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 Dynamite. Um, but what would you say here for about the movements in AEW? People, a lot of people saying the original cast from the projection staff and some of management have left. Is this possibly a, a good thing to get the momentum back, or what do you think? Is the sky falling? Uh, sky falling? No. Um, it's it's uh, it's certainly um, I don't want to say concerning because um, you know I mean in any big corporation you know there's there's going to be you know, front office movements here and there. I guess just what's curious is that so much of it is happening all at relatively the same time. So it sort of gives that, uh, that look of, oh shit, like everyone, everyone wants out. Um, you know, like, uh, they, I think they flat out released or fired, um, one of the production guys who used to work in WWE TNA. Um, but, so there might have been one or two that they let go, but as far as I know, um, everybody else kind of just wrapping up on their own accord. Um, obviously, Q2 Marshall's dipped. Um, Matt Jackson's wife, who I think was overseeing um, merchandise and marketing, I think she's she's wrapping up. So the way that I look at it is, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I guess it's, it's it's hard to gauge without knowing like the full extent of like what some of these folks did 
Um, I mean, I'll touch on the, the Matt Jackson wife then, since I know that mm-hmm. she was around since day one, and she was overseeing merch and marketing. Um, if and anyone who's listening, I mean, if you've ever been to a live AEW show, um, the merch table is kind of a mess. Like, <coughs> like you, you pull up to the merch t- the merch desk or booth or whatever, and I've been to four three or four shows and you know you usually get some some AEW branded shirts of like whatever city and then you know there might be like one like Moxley shirts and there might be one or two other shirts but it's like like when I when I went to the show in Toronto um and at the time nobody I mean nobody was more over than than the acclaimed and it was shocking to me that they didn't have like a single, a single acclaimed T-shirt that was available for sale. And I got there early, so I know they didn't just like sell out hella early. And it's not like they were pushing like the the foam hands of the of the scissors or whatever. And and I was and you know and, and I've talked to people who've gone to other shows and they've expressed the same sort of thing. So I think that. Um, I know they sort of rely on pro wrestling tees, and for those who don't know, um, those like all those shirts, um, they're basically all made to order so that they don't actually have to carry like a stock or an inventory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes obviously longer to get them, but yeah, but they don't have to store them or anything. Um, I think that that model worked, um, you know, when they're a startup and once they're small, but they're big enough now and I think their infrastructure requires them to kind of maybe do it like WWE does and just produce their own stuff and actually have, have some merch on, on sites, you know, like when you go to a, when you go to a show, especially a show you're really excited for, I mean, you're, you're more likely to overspend um, on some overpriced merch when, when you're actually there. Um, and feeling the energy of the show and so forth. And, you know, I thought that when they did all, all in, in London, you know, 80,000 people, um, paid attendance or whatever the number was. And apparently the merch situation was, was trashed there too. So, you know, I, I don't know specifically what, um, uh, what Dana Massey's, uh, responsibility was in that regard. I mean, maybe she was handcuffed there. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe the the plan was to negotiate a new deal with someone else that didn't materialize. I don't know. But I just feel like the company is big enough now that, that, um, you know, it doesn't have to, like AEW isn't really like the mom and pops shop that, that it, it kind of was in the beginning and you know, they can, I mean, they have the resources certainly to level up and do bigger things. Um, so no, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely a perception issue more so than a sky is falling issue. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope they get it turned around. Uh, the more a W W in it, all they're, they're always going to be joined at the hip because 
AEW was the alternative to WWE. And that's why I liked AEW as an original OG fan who was on YouTube watching the press conference in 2018 with Chris Jericho in Jacksonville. You know, um, it is an alternative and they have to see what that really looks like. And so to me, um, you always got to me, the production has to continue to be great. Keep that good. Keep telling, get back to telling good stories, not just one. Really should have at least an A story, a B story, and a C story, especially for the women as well. And I know they're trying to do some things and they're trying to improve that. Thunder Rosa's back. Um, so we got to get the hype train back. Wrestling does its best when you have storylines that people can get behind. Yes, we love athleticism. Yes, we love pro wrestling, period. We love bangers after bangers after the bangers. We love it. That's me trying to be uh, from. Shout out. From uh, Scotland. Uh, we love big men, you know, slapping meat. All right. Like in the words of Big E. Okay. Uh, we love that. But we got to get storylines consistently. Um, I think Swerve uh, in the finals is a good story. If they can do a little small thing with that, they've definitely given him the football to run with. Love to see him get that victory over Moxley. I'm going to call. I hope they can put Swerve over. I think Moxley has won the title enough. Moxley has done a great job. And if he can do the favors for Swerve while he's hot right now, Maybe we can get something going there. Um, but who do you got winning it all, sir? I got Swerve. I honestly, and and we'll probably argue about this, I have a feeling, and I guess we'll find out tomorrow, because, yeah, it's a three-way um, for the Blue League, Swerve, Mox, and Jay White. And then on the gold, or on the other one, Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. I think, I think Eddie Kingston makes it to the finals. Um, and you know, just with the type of story that they're telling, um, and you know, Brian Danielson, you know, I mean, he, he doesn't care about winning tournaments, and he's he's the guy who has no problem putting people over, and, and he's beaten Eddie Kingston enough times. So I expect Eddie to go over there. Okay. Nice. Um, as far as the other one, I I really feel like Jay White is the dark horse in this. Mm-hmm. I think I think they've sort of played this tournament like like we're all expecting Swerve to, to win. Um, and I think that the way that they booked the match is that he's he's going to have Mox beat, and then uh. You know, Jay White's going to come out of nowhere and throw him out of the ring and steal the pin. You know, I um, I guess I haven't. I mean, I'm a huge Jay White fan. I mean, I like him as much as a Swerve. Yeah, he's but, got a lot of charisma. That UK charisma. Oh, oh, he's from right. New Zealand, right? Yeah. Isn't he from New Zealand? Yeah, he's a he's a he's Kiwi. Okay, so Kiwi, um, the Kiwi charisma, and, yeah. Right, right. Now, that being said, regardless of who wins the tournament, I mean, I think if, uh, I think whoever wins the triple threat is going to end up winning the whole thing. Yeah. So I expect that to be either Jay White or Swerve. Um, but let's, let's say that Jay White wins. Because, um, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who, you know, just needs a title around him. Um, Regardless, let's let's say that he wins. I still think that, especially with some of the seeds they planted, um, like last week, you know, I think Swerve is clearly the guy to dethrone Jay White or not Jay White, um, MJF. 
Um, so I think they can do a thing where, okay, Jay White wins the, the tournament. They give him the, the three belts or I don't know if they just merge it into one. I, I, I don't fully understand that, to be honest. But, you know, they can do the thing where, you know, Jay wins and he effectively gets his, uh, his heat back from losing that program to MJF, which I think kind of did more damage than good, like for him. Um, okay, but while he has that belt, Swerve is very, very quietly, I think they're going to push him as a babyface. Um, like his entrance is obviously super, super over. Um, you know, you see more and more people doing the dance, the, the, the Nana dance, every time he comes out. Um, and and I think it's kind of one of those things where, you know, Jay White steals the steals the the, 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 the W, and the crowd's pissed that that Swerve didn't win, which in turn kind of turns him into a babyface. Whatever it is that that they do, I just think that, um, so let's see, World's End is next week, and then the next major, the next pay-per-view is Revolution beginning of March, which is Sting's last match. Um, So, yeah, they can. So effectively, they'll have three months, or, or about two two months, to to build to uh, to MJF and and Swerve. And I think I think that's that's the move that they do. Or if I if I'm booking the show, that's that's how I would do it. Definitely. Well, I want to spend the last couple of minutes. We, me and you talked about this at length a couple of weeks ago, and folks, I'm trying my best to put out more content i am i'm trying my best because i don't like doing solo stuff and i really do best in general in life when i have a someone to work off of because i can kind of go on my own tangent so it's always nice to have a person like eloquent just to balance it so please bear with me i'm trying to do better um sometimes you get worn out during the holiday season um at one point i was putting out four episodes a week uh, which was not sustainable um at that level and it's very hard to get people under my schedule with their schedule so we're trying to do that the best we can the goal would be maybe once a week if we can and if not i will try to do maybe smaller solo ones maybe like maybe like 10 minute little stuff so that i can be very direct and get straight to it um but please i I want this podcast to continue to grow i'm appreciative of all of you who listen to me and eloquent and um we have a great friendship not just on the air but off the air and we're appreciative of all who choose to yeah he's my league he's my fantasy league he's an awesome guy um we're all appreciative of all who chooses to listen because there's so many other podcasts and we're really trying to work our minds around what makes us unique and different so that you don't just hear about people doing body slams chops and shit like that that's great but we want to add some substance to the podcast and and eloquent is such a diverse guy he's such a great perspective about the world and he's just very cultured and he's a great mind to bounce ideas off of so please bear with us now this booking idea, me and you talked about this off the air about the st- Stampede Stretch Crew. And I want to pitch this idea and we're going to pitch it live on the air. We're giving this to Tony. I know, Tony, you don't need me, some wrestling peon. Um, you have way more other things to worry about um, and you've done really well up until this point. But just as a fan, as a person who has a marketing and sales background of over a decade and who likes to sell products, if I was going to sell a, a storyline to you, Tony, here's the, st- the storyline. 
We know Kenny Omega is probably out indefinitely. I'm thinking probably at least six to eight months at a minimum with the di- you know, and he's been running hard with many multiple shoulder injuries, and he had he had um, also he was dealing with um, uh, uh, like what was it called like uh, vertigo. He had a lot of stuff that he was dealing with, so he's really been yeah, but the sports hernia, he had a knee issue, yeah, something with the shoulders, yeah. I think a back, um, and now this, yeah, and Lord knows whatever else he has that just hasn't been revealed, but yeah. I think like not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I think, um, and you know, he's like 38, 39. I think we might be seeing the end of, uh, a full-time Kenny Omega. Um, I think once he comes back, I think he might kind of just be like a pick a spots kind of guy. Yeah. Or, you know, you might see him big matches on some big shows, but I don't know if you, I don't know how often you see him, you know, for 20 minutes on dynamite but i mean we'll, we'll see yeah we yeah we wish him a speedy recovery and also i wanted to say this real quick before i forgot about this sending our condolences to miss jade cargo i think i might have sent it before in the podcast if i didn't me and eloquent and the team here at wwb sports podcast we send our condolences to losing your mom i lost my mom and sister and uncle in the same year last year very difficult so uh we're sending our deepest condolences any words for her yeah, just keep keep your head up. I mean, I know that, you know, she's, I mean, whether, I don't know when she debuts or, or so forth, but but if that never happens, you know, she's already super successful. Um, I don't know her relationship with her mom, but I, I, I just know that she's looking down, just proud of, proud of her daughter. So, you know, no, definitely just, my condolences and just wishing her all her and her family all the best it's never uh never easy to lose a loved one especially a, a parent yeah no doubt so um so it's definitely want to send that over to her but um so as we transition back to the conversation we have to always make sure we set space for people we care about miss cargill is one of those just like miss simone biles and mr jonathan owens her husband so um the stampede stretch crew Y2J, Christian, I'm going to pitch this story. Alec, we're going to do this live. Give me like at least my two minutes of ranting, and then uh, we'll get into it. So Stampede Stretch Crew, they're all from Canada. You got Chris Jericho, Christian Edge, and Kenny Omega whenever returns. So maybe six to eight months from now when Kenny returns. What happens, this is how we tell the story. You tell a story that mixes the storyline that WCW had with the new blood and the uh, kind of like the um, evolution type thing. What happens is the people that really stand because, you know, AEW has its own culture where they're counterculture. They are a wrestling revolution. They are the uh, you know, they are the alternative. Right. And so who stands totally different than that? You got Chris Jericho, Christian Edge, three gentlemen who come from the WWE system, so to speak, but all have all have a a kind of a a, a, um, you know, a connection with that stampede stretch. Uh, Stampede crew in, in Canada. I'm um, some sort of, uh, you would say, uh, alumni, so to speak, in one way or another, connected in one way or another. So you have Y2J, Christian and Edge. This is a heel group, okay? So what happens is you got, um, and so you want to get people to watch AEW. This is a great storyline. So Chris Jericho is getting friendly with Christian and Edge. And they're like, hey, man, we got to, you kind of lean on the whole situation with all the all people leaving, 
all of the so-called rumors, all of the, the wild, wild west uh, rumor and innuendo you've heard, you lean into that and you say, we're going to straighten out this locker room one way or another. We're done. And you got Chris Jericho, Christian and Edge coming back and they're starting to present themselves more and more heelish. They're starting to look more and more polished. And they're starting to talk more and more about how they have been veterans in the industry and how they know what they're talking about. You lean into the part where Jungle Boy Jack Perry, right? Jack Perry kind of talked about the glass thing. And, and you talk about how you guys are going to show these young folks how to really produce. You lean into the part where these gentlemen are obviously in their late 40s and 50s and how they have a disdain for the Gen Z and the millennials and how they feel that they don't respect their elders. And this is where you bring Jack Perry back. You bring him as a face. This is where you bring uh, Jungle Boy back. You have, you make Sammy, you heat Sammy up, right? You have a beef between the older veterans who are WWE world heavyweight champions who've done it all and who are kind of uh, thinking they're better like boomers kind of. Not, they're not boomers per se, but they're like Gen Z. They think they're better than us. They think they're, they know better. We have been there, done that. And the whole idea is to have this beef about this huge mega crew that is just decimating and who was veterans who use their veteran like know-how, their, their veteran um, craftiness to win matches in ways that aren't necessarily the right way. They're not there's kind of like close to like kind of being heelish, but but they're using their veteran know-how in ways that are getting one-ups on these younger pillars of, of AEW. And they continue to take their veteran uh, leadership and just boss you can see them in, in backstage segments where they're bossing people around kind of um you know not necessarily being uh pc with the way they look at millennials or gen z and just saying things that you know that that kind of show the difference between the ages and then you have jack you know jack perry who's foaming and angry and upset and he and then you got uh you know you got uh darby you know, and you set up a storyline where throughout a couple of pay-per-views, they are building up matches between these three different groups. And when it's all said and done, Darby Allen gets the victory over one of these veterans and he finally wins the title. I want you have to have the stampede, the stampede stretch crew all with titles because you want them insufferable. You want them to be annoying. You want to have the visual that, yes, we are superior wrestlers. Yes, we have done it before. We're going to teach you young and something or a thing or two. And then eventually um, Darby goes over and gets the strap. Finally, after all these years, Darby has gotten the TNT. He's gotten close, but never the opportunity. This is how you ultimately reset the negative things that have been happening at AEW, reset the perception, and you put over one of your youngest, brightest stars who is the, the flag bearer for the type of personality that AEW stands for. What do you think? And you, and you have limousines, you have champagne, you make them look so elitist, so non aw so pompous, so much better than everybody else. And they have the better locker room. They have the, the valets. They have the luxury stuff. They're the, they visually are presenting themselves and the way they move and the titles that they win and the way that they're winning of how they're presenting themselves as a superior, older, more wiser vet. And you have the younger guys finally getting their due and respected as the pillars and Darby finally gets his first title at a major pay-per-view and he gets it over. Let's say Jericho gets the title again. No, let's, I would say I would get the, I would put the title on, on um, Adam Copeland at this point, but um, you have right. Adam Copeland, um, you know, lose the title to Darby, but really I would like Jericho to put him over because he was their first title 
guy and then Adam Copeland can have TNT and then you could have Christian and him as tag champion. So Adam Copeland TNT with the tag titles with Christian and then a Christian Cage and then uh, Jericho because then people was like, oh, why does he have the title? He's his title. And then, you know, Jericho has a lot of, no matter what Jericho does, people don't like him. So um, I like him as a performer and I, I think he's a cool guy. But anyway, so what do you think about that? Uh, they had the titles, the presentation versus the younger upstart group as a storyline that can last for about four to six months and that people can get behind and really ultimately support the younger guys. Well, I, I love it. I mean, I, I like when, um, I like when AEW sort of like leans into that, that type of stuff. So kind of like how, um, you know, the, you know, the Jericho appreciation society was a whole thing, but really what they were trying to do was, Hey, we're, we're the sports entertainers. And, uh, and then you guys over there, the wrestlers and, and, you know, the sports center, you know, something that, you know, on, on, the, you know, on its like face values, you know, kind of innocuous or whatever, but, but, you know, but they know that the, the AW audience by and large are, are wrestling fans and, and sports entertainer has a, you know, it, it, it has a, a connotation to it that, uh, uh, that the, the audience doesn't really jive, jive with. And, and I thought they used that, and I thought they used that in a really smart way. Um, and they kind of got Daniel Garcia over in the process. Um, so what you're proposing is, is kind of, is kind of that, that sort of idea, but kind of just cranked up to, to like, like level 15. Like they don't have to say, uh, obviously they don't have to say WWE by, um, by name, but it's sort of implied that a, you know, you guys know where we come, where we came from, and you guys know how how successful we are, and we're all millionaires, and um, you know, you guys are lucky that we're even in this 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 place. You know, like they can be really condescending about it, but but in doing so, um, it's a, it's an easy way to to have someone sort of emerge from that and. You know, they told the whole four pillar story um, earlier this year. Um, or yeah, they can get, they can have kind of Sammy is or not Sammy um, Darby, the sort of the face of the, the face of the new school, so to speak. And uh, now, yeah, they can probably have guys like, like Sammy Guevara whenever he comes back from the. Uh, yeah, he, he yeah, he, he just had a, a child lately. So congrats to him, as inside. Yeah. Um yeah, but um but it and you mentioned uh sort of a parallel to the that old WCW New Blood storyline, which you know, I loved the concept of it. I just hated the execution of what of what Vince Russo did, but yeah. But the idea of okay, you we've got these guys who are Super over the legends, but let's let's call a spade a spade. You know they're on the back the back end of their career of their careers. Um, so let's you know while we still have these guys in, in a full time capacity or in the you know or in the, the the tail end of their prime, so to speak. Let's 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 get some of our new guys over before we don't have them anymore. Um, you know, I think that's a perfect way to do it. People kind of hate Jericho for, for a number of reasons, but 
I think he's definitely one of those guys that once he's no longer here, people will give him his flowers. Um, you know, like I don't, uh, I don't necessarily like some of his politics or so forth, but you know, that has nothing to do with, uh, with, you know, the, the entertainer, Chris Jericho. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been one of my favorite wrestlers, like literally since I was a kid. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, the, the issue with Jericho and AEW has kind of just been him being in, in some feuds, which are interesting, but kind of overstay their welcome. Um, so as long as he's not, um, you know, he's not re- wrestling Darby Allen four months straight, um, like he used to do with some folks, you know, to sort of reel it in. And, you know, I think he can, can be really effective. And frankly, I don't want to see Jericho as a babyface anymore. Um, he, he kills it as a bad guy. He needs to be a bad guy again. Um, and they would get nuclear heat but, because um, the more they lean into it, the more the, the limousines, the more they have that VIP dressing room, the more they you, you do their dastardly kind of, you know, savvy veteran things, the more hate you have, especially as a hate, as the hate magnet that Jericho is. And the more you do that and the more you kind of, lean into that and and you just get that title and 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 they just are just dominating and being crafty and holding the ropes holding the trunks doing all these things and finally when it's all said and done the young guys who took all these punches and been slapped down and knocked down almost like that rocky speech they get up and in the last moment darby bloody broken um body destroyed tables broken uh, tables broken um announcement table broken blood everywhere you know they love blood for pay-per-view and jericho Originally, first AEW World Heavyweight Champion um, is is on his back, and Darby, one, two, three. What a story! Hundred percent, bro. No, I, I love that idea, man. And hey, TK, if you ever listen to this podcast, run my run my man as residuals. Definitely. You're I would love to be a man. Literally, Joe, guys, I, my dream job, honestly, if I could have any job in the world, like any job, motivational speaker and a writer for pro wrestling, like to travel the world and the t- and write for like wrestling, I would, it would literally be my, that's like literally my life. Like if I could do that, that'd be great. So yeah, that's a storyline I think people should get behind. It'd be interesting. And I know I'm a little peon and who, how dare me and it's plenty of people sending booking advice but i think it's pretty solid idea i think it's pretty interesting i'll put on the podcast guys on spotify i'm gonna put do you think it's a good idea you're gonna say yes or no you can nowadays you can interact with the podcast who have questions that are asked so that you can see what your thoughts are and kind of gauge your response but i think that's an interesting thing that you can do and i think it'll be could definitely bring eyes and really kind of speak to the history and culture of AEW, but at the same time acknowledge some things and really um, utilize the star power that they do have and also get over the youth that you want to get over. So um, to close out today, my so friend, speak, go ahead. Hmm? So, well, speaking of which, um, and I know that um, part of the AEW philosophy is to kind of cycle guys in and out. So, you know, so you, know, you might see, you, you would see like a lot of Darby Allen and, I mean, we haven't seen him in like, what, two months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I did because it gives, you know, it gives, like he's off to presumably rest and recover. 
and he gives him just long enough to question where he is and, and miss him. Um, but um, I, I don't know how long he's expected to be gone for, but I, I miss him on my TV screen. And, and I think, I mean, I, I don't know what the statistics show as far as him as a draw, but, but um, I feel like he's a, he's a guy that, um, that Tony should be anxious to have back on TV, if nothing else. But, uh, you know, while they're like, negotiating rights fees and so forth, um, probably want to get all your guys back who, uh, like, who do good business for you um, until they, they sign whatever deal they sign. No doubt. No doubt, my friend. Um, folks, we talked about a lot today. We covered quite the bit of topics, and we really hope that you enjoy the conversation that me and Eloquent had. No doubt um, we, we touched many places, and we hope to do that. We hope to have a deeper conversation about life, age, relationships, um, when necessary. We, you know, that's not really our hot spot, but um, we, we're bringing a, a uh, holistic perspective on a pro wrestling podcast and um we hope that you guys appreciate it and especially in 2023 um this might be the last episode we'll do probably is for the year so we uh, thank you we, we're definitely going to have some more folks coming on um especially as we get closer to royal rumble season and also some pay-per-view post shows yeah man so um eloquent final words before you hop off my friend um just uh hope um hope santa claus is good to everybody this year um, happy New Year's if we don't get on another one before the end of the year. Um, and just thank you for, for rocking with us. Um, you know, like these, these pods more so than anything. Um, it's really just me shooting shit with the, with the homie and, uh, and you know, and that's, and that's, uh, kind of therapy at times. Um, so yeah, hopefully you dig it. And for all that do, yeah, just keep rocking with us. And, uh, 2024, we're, we're definitely going to be doing some big things. Love it. Love it, folks. Thanks for coming on the WWB Sportscast, and we are out.